0: Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.
1: Something grand is coming to Nemacolin. Opening fall 2023, the Grand Lodge will surprise and delight with 56 stunning suites and five-star butler services. Indulge in libations at the Circle Bar and the Study before you savor the new and enchanting Fawn and Fable Restaurant, where the best parts of a traditional steakhouse and a fairy tale castle create a magical dining experience. With fine dining, a spa, and over 100 adventure, golf, art, and wildlife experiences, whatever your imagination holds, Nemacolin has the key. Visit nemacolin.com for more information. <laughs> That's not a knife. G'day, welcome to Not a Knife. As you can hear, my voice is a little bit shit this episode, uh, but the interview is not shit. So, short and sweet here, uh, thanks for listening. Hit us up on the thecurb.com.au for previous episodes. On this particular episode, you're going to hear, first of all, director Travis Beard and one of the subjects of the documentary Rockable Lamar talking about the film, how it was made. And then the second interview is the producer of the film, Brooke Silcox, who, direct, who produced a fantastic documentary, both with Rockabull and previously with meal tickets. Fantastic interviews. Please check out Rockabilly when it is screening at Revelation Film Festival. You will not regret it. It's, it is fantastic. And honestly, uh, like I've seen a bunch of films. I think this makes it probably about the 150th film I've seen this year. And it's easily one of the best films I've seen this year. Uh, it's fantastic. 150 films. Yeah, yeah. I watched probably a little too, bit too much. You know, I do have a wow. social life though. <laughs> I do go
0: right, and yeah, do stuff. <laughs> yeah. But now, good man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, start shooting, man, because we've got like sort of 20 minutes before we have to jump in a cab. So you just go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. It's fantastic. Like, I want to know, Travis. For you, how did you come up with this story? How would you find this story?
0: Um, I was in Afghanistan as a journalist working as a freelancer um, for Australian publications um, and I sort of stumbled onto this small uh, music scene which was just a bunch of expats playing at sort of local parties for other expats. I got into that music scene and the music scene was kind of needed a bit of a push a bit of a shove so I kind of bought amplifiers and, and pushed the sort of the quality of the standards up and after a couple of years, some Afghan bands started to pop up, and I was lucky enough at one point that these uh, four boys walked into my house because I had a practice room, and I had a video camera. I wasn't a filmmaker. And I just pressed record because it looked interesting, and, and And then six months later, I saw a story, and so I started really following these guys, and it all, it all just took off from there.
1: Yeah, it's a really, really fascinating story as well. Like, it's just... You know there's so much going on, and so much to learn from it as well like it's a it's about how music can challenge a culture, a religion, a country that's in the middle of war, and all this kind of stuff so I'm yeah. curious for you, Lamar, how it was being part of the story and and uh having somebody document such a personal part of your life
2: uh I find it very um uh... As a learning experience, I think, it's a very big part of my life. Uh, it was quite uh, interesting, different at the same time. But uh, I think we we have something to look back to uh, throughout our life uh, yeah. with this film. It's a reference for you, yeah? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's quite...
1: Yeah. What did you learn from that point in your life as well, uh, playing music and, and also kind of having to move away from, from family and, and friends and stuff like that? What did you learn from that?
2: I think uh, like like any, uh, uh, I would say, big incidents or, or things that happen throughout your life, you you learn things from them. You uh, mature from them. So for me, uh, the experience in, in the band, it... it taught me a lot it taught me a lot how to be more expressive of myself and uh, how to voice what you actually feel about your community or your society or what you're feeling inside you um and so it was a good medium i should say and uh, it it was a beautiful learning experience as i said uh i really matured during that time and it's a very big and very important part of my life and i'm sure that goes same to the other band uh, members
1: too and do you keep in contact with them as well now they're kind of scattered all around different parts of the world now
2: I mean uh, uh, using social media nowadays it's, it's it's easier to do so yes and and they all have their own uh, uh, life uh, they all work or, or study and, and, side project, and, and side projects that they do at the moment uh, we do keep in Contact whenever we can, but the problem with me is that uh, I live in Australia and they live in in states or UK, so we're on different sides of the globe.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know what that's like. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
2: but we do keep in.
1: Yeah, social media makes things a a lot easier. That's for sure. Yeah, a a lot uh, fluent. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, and so for you, Travis, you know, moving from being a journalist into you know essentially a director, how's that kind of that? Path uh, worked for you, and on top of that, you kind of worked as a mentor for the guys as well. So you're wearing more than one hat, as well as a festival organizer too. You're really a a man of many talents. How did you manage all of that in a foreign country?
0: Um, It was kind of just necessity. Uh, I mean, the mentorship was something I wanted to do. I I, I believed in the band. I wanted to help them. Um, And being a musician, you want to share your knowledge. So that was kind of quite straightforward um the filmmaking the directing and all that that just came as like i said i mean at first i picked the camera up and i started filming but after time i saw a story um i, I studied photography in university I, I did documentary photography so it's the same narrative structure um but it's just a different medium um i think the best way to learn any craft is to do it rather than study it and so i think my 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 learning years my apprenticeship in a sense to become a filmmaker was making this film and my my girlfriend used to joke about it being my phd (laughs) and that's why it took eight years um but in some ways it was my phd because it took so long but now i think i actually have a quite valid um opinion and 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 style of making films so i'm looking forward to making more films using a a less conventional sort of approach um, than, let's say, people who go and study at a university doing film. Um, So it's been a very much learning experience for me. I think also the cool thing is that the band was progressing musically throughout this five-year period. I was progressing as a filmmaker, and they were almost quite dual in their trajectory. Um, I think I got better in the later parts (laughs) of the
2: film. the band
0: banded. And so I think that kind of marries quite well to each other, which is... Something that I'm proud of that we got to the end together at such a level.
1: Yeah, no, it really, it really does go into some really interesting ways, and and I think that you know, as you're saying, you you both do mature at a, a you know equal pace in a lot of ways, and kind of discover each other as you're going along, which is you know, it, it makes for a really, really engaging, interesting story as well. So you know, hats off to that. Yeah.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: Yeah, and I'm curious as well what the relationship between you and Brooke has been like. She's a fantastic producer. I really enjoyed Meal Tickets, which came out last year. It was one of my favourite films from last year, and there actually feels yeah. like a bit of a narrative uh, relationship or, a you know, kind of distant relationship between this and, and Meal Tickets in some regards. So I'm curious about how working with her has been.
0: Well, I mean, I met Brooke... I was very lucky to meet Brooke um, through some other work we were doing together, Um, and I've only known her for six months, and we finished the film in six months, Um, so it's been a a roller-coaster ride. Um, I didn't know of Brooke's previous work, but as soon as I heard she'd done Meal Tickets And we had this chance to meet. I wanted to give it a go. And she actually rejected me at the start. She said, sorry, I'm too busy. (laughs) Um, But I I said, look, look at my trailer. And she looked at my trailer and went, yeah, it's quite cool, but I'm still too busy. I said, look at my rough cut. And then she looked at my rough cut and she went, oh, shit. Okay, I need to sort of, you know, stop and actually consider this. And it was within 12 hours she rang me back and said, yeah, I want to get involved. Oh, that's good. Um, So it was was quite a a cool kind of marrying. um, And I was just very lucky because she has the skills in regards to the... Not just the producing, but also the, um, the the sourcing of funding, and that's what we—that's how we got to finish our film um, because of the work she did. And uh, we just we just hit it off, and we, we we work really well together. And I think the film has a lot of credit due to her because she didn't just produce the film; she actually got involved in the creative process as well. Um, but she also didn't try to control, which was really good. We we just kind of worked well as a team, and and uh, I'm hoping we can do more of that in the future.
1: Yeah, I, I think she's really fantastic as a producer and, you know, having seen now this and, and meal tickets, I'm excited to see what she yeah. does in the future as well. And you have got exactly. another film coming along as well, don't you? Yeah, I want to do a trilogy on Afghanistan.
0: I have so much archive from the time I lived there that I think I can slam out a couple more films and I've been applying for funding for them. I'm basically just going to widen the lens on Afghanistan. The first film was quite macro I wanna sorry, quite micro. I want to go a bit more macro on the next one and look at uh, the country and then in my third film I want to look at the region in regards to Central Asia and all with a very much political kind of context to what's going on in the, in the area and also to sort of broaden the audience that we already have so they can learn more about things that we touched on in the first film but there's just not enough time. We're chronicling a band's uh, sort of evolution and we didn't have enough time to go into the, the complex uh, fabric that is uh, Afghanistan and is Central Asia and I would like to explore that more in future films.
1: Yeah. So I'm curious for for both of you, you know, what's uh how what what is the, the the desire to tell stories about Afghanistan from a Western perspective for you, Travis, and then from Af- you know the Afghanistan perspective as well, Lamar. What's the the desire for you to be participating in stories like this?
2: Uh, look, it's it's uh, it's actually. For me personally, it's so beautiful and it's honoring because it gives a good perspective about the country that I come from and the culture that I am from. Mm. And for me, it's very important for the people in the first world to know that Afghanistan isn't really as portrayed in the news. It's actually as normal, as uh, uh, normal life-loving people as we have everywhere in the world. So for me, I think that's the whole cause. For me, it's it's it, it, it's like a movement to actually expose Afghanistan and the Afghan people that they're not what you think they are, what uh, you see on the news. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like normal uh, people as you see here or in states or in Europe. Um, that's actually... Uh, Privilege for me that I was involved with this film. And uh, if I could have a chance to do anything like this in the future, I would love to do it. I would love to do it.
0: I mean, it kind of answered my part of the question as well. I mean, breaking down misconceptions, the mass medias, the portrayal of Afghanistan, the misconceptions about Islam, the Muslim world, this is all stuff that drove us, gave us motivation to uh, to make this film. Because I mean, I lived there for many years, and I would come back every time to Australia and people would go, Some people would ask me about how it was and and would be interested but a lot of people were actually quite hesitant, they were quite intimidated by the fact and I had friends who just kind of steered clear of me for many years Um, and then obviously over time when we did a lot of other projects, I didn't just do films in Afghanistan, we created awareness even for my own mother, um, she learned about a country she had no idea about and she became a a, a, a a staunch uh, supporter and and even fundraised for a lot of projects we did and I think that's what this film's about, is about you know breaking down those barriers um, and, and, and building that bridge between these two uh, cultures because a lot of people just really have no idea about Afghanistan and, and other parts of the world like Afghanistan, and I think that's what this film can do in a very kind of digestible way because we're using music, everyone can connect with that, everyone understands that, and so it's a very... Uh, approachable vehicle for the everyday person to to um, to conceive. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
1: No, it does. Yeah, because I remember a, a, it's a long while ago I was having a conversation with somebody and they were oblivious to the fact that there is snow in Afghanistan and you know there's there's parts where there's you know snow in the streets and stuff like that and. Uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of the level of how ignorant some people can be about a particular country, especially one that, you know, Australia is so heavily involved with in in uh, different ways as well. So it's great to see that your yeah. story exists to show and, that. And
0: it's, cool that, yeah. it's yeah. cool that the Australian government is so active in this country. I'm not going to comment on, on what they do, but they also fund films which aren't, particularly critical of the Australian government's policy, but, you know, it's it's not positive as well. It, it, it kind of, you know, puts us right in the middle, and, and it's great that we have a, a diplomatic process in regard to funding, because, you know, the money is coming from the same source. Mm. So it's cool, you know?
1: Yeah. So, Lamar, you were, you, were you were saying that you want to tell more of these kinds of stories as well. Does that mean that you're going to step into doing filmmaking mm. now as well?
2: Oh, well, uh, you know what? I think that's, uh, that's very... Uh, Interesting thing you actually asked, because I love filmmaking. I love films. Uh, And uh, this has been always, uh, I should say, a love of mine deep in the back of my head that someday I would make films. Uh, If I could have the opportunity, yes, of course, as Travis is as good as he is with his work, to uh, expose and to portray stories, uh, the way he does, I think uh, I, uh, I have my own parts to tell too. Mm. So, yes, of course, I would love it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the the avenue is there and, and really all that's stopping you is uh, picking up a camera and, and telling a story. And that's the thing is that, you know, anybody can make a film and, and get out there and tell their story. So, uh, you know, get to it, hop to it. you You can do it. I know you can. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
1: Um, so, Travis, i got one more question about uh, yeah, your yeah. production and stuff like that. I'm curious about Argus Productions. Um, what is that yeah. and what's the, the aim of that particular uh, group that you've got going there?
0: I mean, the original sort of conception was that we were trying to create a arts hub Um, in a way a a place... Because we did lots of things in Afghanistan. We did skateboarding, we did graffiti, we did photography, we did filmmaking, we did uh, poetry slam, we did song competitions, we did festivals, we did lots of different projects. And I guess I was, you know, hoping I could create an umbrella that could house all these projects and therefore once, you know, you move on from Afghanistan, you can export the same you know, sort of package to other countries. I went to Lebanon and tried to do the same thing, In Syria wasn't so successful. Um, but I think what we're really trying to do is create, not a brand, but I guess some kind of, you know, flag or, um, let's say, you know, uh, group that can can work on the same uh, goals, which are to send a message of positivity about people in the world mm. um, and break down those, those barriers that uh, are there, For really silly reasons, Um, if people just jumped on a plane and went to some of these countries, they'd be like, oh, it's actually not as bad as I thought. (laughs) Um, And it's really not hard to do, but because of, you know, security, because of, you know, even just things like the Australian government or the American government's, um, you know, uh, tourist uh, recommendations per country, it's always over-hyperventilated in regard to the level of how much you, you shouldn't visit a country.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. If, if a country says uh, if, a, if a government says a country's uh you know nine on the on the Richter scale of, of dangerous, I actually would probably put it more down to six, because um, I've been to most of those countries and they're nowhere near as dangerous <laughs> as I've said. Um. But this is what a lot of people uh, believe, and and let's be their decision making process, whether it be that or using the television. Or what they read through social media. I mean, there's different channels for the same kind of messages, and I think by stepping outside the box and going to a film festival like Revelation or a Sydney Film Festival and and seeing a film like ours, you're like, oh, wait a second, maybe I was wrong. Yeah, and 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 hopefully that can be a way to sort of reach those people if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I know I'm going to be championing this film a heck of a lot because it's it is brilliant. I I really really like yeah. it. I'm not overselling it or anything. I think it's a really great film and I'm looking forward to watching it again with a packed audience because, uh, these kinds of films, what was that? Sorry.
0: We'll see you on the screening.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. I, oh yeah. Yeah. I live at revelation when it's going on. So I'm, I'm itching to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so one question before we disappear, uh, which is a question I ask everybody, um, so it's probably more for you, Travis, but Lamar, please feel free to answer it as well. Because um, I tend to focus on Australian films quite a lot. So I'm curious if there's an Australian film that you enjoy that you recommend people seek out and see. Uh,
0: in, in in the current film of or just in general?
1: Just in general. Something that you enjoy that you want people to, to check out can be from the beginning of time, doesn't matter when.
2: Oh, man, you, you don't want to ask me that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do, you, do you know, like, like this is a fact for you. I've never told any journalists this or these radio interviews we did, but I'm telling you. Okay. My first exposure of the Australian cinema and filmmaking and Australian culture throughout media was uh, all, all the adventures of Russell Coit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, I oh, swear wow. to God. That's brilliant. Yes, so... I love it. It's it's beautiful. I love it till date. It's the most comical thing I've seen. But uh, but that was just yes, my exposure, man. So uh, yeah, I have seen some films uh, throughout my life, which I'm pretty sure they're Aussie made, like. Roman. R- 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 yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm a massive fan of uh, Russell Crowe in that
1: yeah. movie.
2: But other than that, yeah, I've seen a couple here and there. Oh, that's but good. really, the names don't pop up. At,
1: Look, Russell, Russell Coyne is the best answer that I could ever hope for, so that's good. <laughs> there you go.
2: There you go. There you go. I, I, I love that series. Hey, i will seen every episode. Oh, that's good.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know how to top that, um, yeah. uh, Lamar. I mean, my standard answer to this question, I mean, it's probably a bit cliche, but Dogs in Space, I think, is one of the best films to ever come out of Australia. Um, I just think it encapsulated the 1970s in Melbourne perfectly and it has one of the best soundtracks to a film ever. I can listen to that soundtrack without actually, um, you know, seeing the film. I actually do have a copy of the soundtrack and I just put it on and, you know, golf course. I actually do play golf and I love that song because uh, it's about my dad playing golf and, and, you know, this little punk joking about it. And I actually identify with that as a teenager because I played golf, but I was into punk.
1: Right, well, that's fantastic. They're, they're two brilliant polar opposite answers and and great way to wrap up an interview. I really appreciate your time, <laughs> guys.
2: This is the beauty of this whole process of the movie and the movie. The polar opposite people coming together. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> that is the beauty of it. That's the beauty of the world. Exactly. I'm feeling love right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well thanks guys, I really appreciate your time and you know really no worries, forward man. to revelation as well. Cheers. Cool man, I look forward to meeting you uh, when we come over to Perth Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll I'll buy you a beer. Be good.
2: Can't learn. We are the only fucking metal band in Afghanistan. We are using our music. We just want to play in front of thousands of guys and girls who come together. They cheer and say, yeah, this is true, this works, and we have this kind of idea too. This is a war we have to win. That's why
0: I've proposed an additional $1 billion in non-military assistance each year and help Afghans grow their economy from the bottom up.
3: The US government is funding heavy metal. At first, like, we're funding that.
0: I don't want the entrance built.
2: There's some you know, exchange of positive energy between you and the people, and again, it goes back to them, and it comes back to you. I love Kabul, but I hate
0: Kabul steel gates, iron bars, flood lights, wire, and guys with machine guns.
2: You got real heavy metal here. You got this metal, all these bullets and all, and it's heavy. I've never been to a rock show outside Carole. It's said that it's going to be like 10,000
0: people. No, no, no. No. From the first chords that were struck, everybody had a sense that they were part of history.
2: Next award is the Global Metal Award. Would you ever imagine that the metal would find its way to Afghanistan. Foreigners get out of this country right now and be sure it will be a jungle. Worse than jungle. I mean, in, in a jungle, there are some rules.
1: As much as this country needs
0: martyrs for music, I don't want to be that guy. If the Taliban find you kill a two times like this, this, this.
2: expressing ourselves when we're dead.
1: What a great film. So hats off to to you as a producer in, you know, getting it out there. It's fantastic. Yeah.
3: Uh, Andrew, I really appreciate it. I woke up this morning to your post on Facebook and I was just like, that was just so heart-melting. So thank you very much. I yeah. really appreciate it. I'm cool. glad you really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, and I, I, um, yeah. You know, I've i seen a lot of films this year so far and, yeah, it's it stood out quite quite well and it was really impressive. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I think it's a really good companion film to meal tickets too. Um, so.
3: <laughs> yep. I had um, I knew that there was a, a few similarities between the two of them, which is pretty much why I knew I could help Travis with Rockable because um, i would kind of gone through similar process with Matt and um, on meal tickets.
1: Yeah, so like you've you've kind of had your hands in a lot of different things. Having a look at IMDb, you're all over the shop with art department and you know producing and editing and all this kind of stuff. But producing has kind of been your calling now, in a way, hasn't it? You've you've Found uh, a, something that you really enjoy doing. So, what is it about producing that you enjoy?
3: Um, I mean, I, I suppose it's just um, sort of where my natural skills are kind of laying at the moment. Um, and I mean, I, I really enjoy producing Doco because it's. I mean, it's a lot. A lot of it has been in, this, in the post section of it, trying to shape and edit. Mm-hmm. And um, I really do enjoy the process of being in the edit space um, with the um, editor and director just working working out the best way to shape the story with the material that you have, knowing that there's absolutely no way that you can go out and get anything more, but knowing that in, in this pile of content there's something really, really beautiful that can be made. Mm. Um, yeah, that's something that I love. Um, and I think just because like, I obviously have an arts background and I come from fine arts, background but then um having the ability to um use those skills with my legal skills is just a dream <laughs> I used to be a lawyer so All right, sure. yeah I'm feeling yes yeah, so I used to be a lawyer so I, I feel pretty blessed um yeah I'm pretty blessed to yeah. to be able to to be able to do it and it's really great to honestly support other people and help them you know help them on their journey and help them with their dreams and ambitions it's actually really lovely yeah. And so, and, re- and rewarding and fulfilling.
1: Yeah. How long were you a lawyer for?
3: Um, so I studied for three years doing a, a postgrad at Melbourne um, Uni and then um, I practiced for five.
1: Right. Do you miss it at all or are you glad that you've moved past it?
3: Uh, I definitely feel like I'm doing what I should be doing right now. Um, when I left law, there was like a a, a voice in my head that had been sort of, I don't know, creating anxiety or what have you that I was maybe not on path and maybe not doing what I was supposed to in life, um, that disappeared. And I feel like I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now, producing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, you know, based on both Rockable and Meal Tickets, I think you're doing the right thing. You know, you're producing some really, really impressive works. Um, so I want to touch on Meal Tickets because it's one of my favorite films from last year. And I want to know how Matt's story, like how you got involved in Matt's story and and what everything, what the path led to Meal Tickets for you to say, yeah, this is the first documentary I want to produce.
3: Um, So Matt and I went to um, high school together. Um, And so Matt and I had known each other um, since we were 13 years old. Um, And um, both were doing stuff in film, um, and what it, what it all spawned from was um, at the time in 2011 I was studying, um, I was on my last year of studying law, and Matt was about to do a screening of um, the first um, act of the film, um, USA or Bust, mm. um, in Melbourne. And he needed releases because he wanted to film the event and film people and get interviews and what have you. And um, he just asked whether I could help them with that. And so I did. Uh, and then um, uh, he came back to me about a week later and was like, "Philcox, have you ever seen Dangerous Minds? Because um, if you remember the scene with Michelle Pfeiffer at the beginning of the, the classroom, where she tells the, the, the schoolyard or the, the classroom that they've all got A's, it's just up to them to keep it, Mm. he was like, you've got to produce the credit, it's just up to you to keep it. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that was that. Um, I didn't honestly have that much of a a choice in it. It was just one of those things that happened. Um, And then, um, yeah, so then I just had to work out what to do over the period of time and, um, and, yeah, build my skill set up and what have you. And, um, I mean, it was because obviously I knew the guys, I'd gone to school with them, I knew what Matt was trying to create, I I knew what Matt's story was about, I'd I'd obviously been growing up with similar sort of dreams and desires and understood his world, so it made it really easy to help him with the edit and to, you know, help him with the story and I I knew when it was going off track, I could could tell when, you know, other things were happening with other collaborators or what have you, Mm. where... I could... Both Matt and I knew the film that he was making. Um, And so I think... um, Yeah, it was just... It it was quite easy to help him when things weren't going quite... When things weren't going the way that he thought that they should to kind of support him and go... To support him and go, no, I agree with you, you know. um, that's That's not what you're aiming for. That's not what it's about. That's slightly... Um, slightly unfair or, you know, I'm on one of the characters, say, or slightly not true about one of the characters or slightly not, you know, three-dimensional enough. Yeah. Um. And so I think we landed pretty closely um, to, to what we had always envisaged it would be at the start. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think it works out really well. And, you know, I, I've said this multiple times to uh, different people associated with meal tickets, and, you know, I think to be able to get 10 years of footage down to a really really entertaining film is impressive so you know hats off and especially for a first-time effort from you know a lot of people involved as well is is really impressive and then you followed up with Rockable as well which you know I asked Travis how uh you know how he essentially what the relationship was with you and him, and you turned him down a couple of times.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, He came to me, and he was like, "Oh, Brooke, I, I've got this. Um, I've got this. Um, you know, documentary that I've been working on for eight years." And I was like, "No, nope. <laughs> I've just done one. I've just done one of those, and it was painful." <laughs> and I was like, "No," nope. um, and I was busy with other projects at the time. Um, and then he sent me through the trailer um because he just didn't take no for an answer and I watched it and I was like shit it's good (laughs) um and um and then I was like send me the rough cut and he sent me the rough cut and I I just I watched it and immediately could see where the holes were immediately could see how I could help finish it immediately knew that it had something really important to say that I think is really really valuable so I mean like I I come from that an arts background, I think that art is one of the most important things on the planet. It's that Winston Churchill um, quote of, you know, um, why, you know, if we're going to let arts funding go, why why are we fighting the war Mm. Um, way back in the day? Because I I believe that, um, I mean, art for me just runs through me like a disease and it's super important And to live in a place like Afghanistan where that could get you killed. um, I I think the film has a lot to say about the importance of Well, just how lucky we are in Australia to have the freedoms that we do and the liberties that we do to create and make and express ourselves and Mm -hmm. to live in a place like Afghanistan where that literally could get you blown up really puts uh, the sort of life that we have into perspective.
1: It does. I think. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I really, you know... there's just so much to that kind of drags you down back to earth after watching it. And, you know, these guys who discover music and, you know, in some way, and then, then decide that they want to make music and their story and all that kind of stuff. There's so much going on. Um, I can't wait to see it with a a full audience at revelation. It's going to be fantastic. So how's the screenings been at Sydney film fest? How's that been for Rockable? You know,
3: the thing, They've been great. I mean, one of the things that I've been really loving is obviously we've had Lamar with us here, mm. and um, we had Yosef um, in um, Rotterdam, and w- with a lot of the European screenings, and it's just been like one of the things that I'm really loving is the audience gets the chance to speak to the guys about about their lives, and it's it's so heartwarming and fulfilling and awesome as a producer to make a film and then you know give someone the opportunity to to talk about. Um, what they've gone through and what they've experienced, and in, in, in a way that's enlightening for others, and um, you know, will hopefully create a, a more tolerance in the world, more understanding, um, uh, yeah. And so I, that that has been awesome, and it's just awesome to meet the guys too, because it's. I was saying to um, someone else this morning that um, you know I can send um, sort of. You know, months working on an edit with with Travis and our editors, and um, get to really know the guys and their personalities and what have you. And then when I meet them, I'm quite warm and um, but, um, like I feel like I know them. But yeah. of course, they've not they've got no idea who I am. <laughs> and there's always that thing of like I, I always feel like I know the guys, but they don't know who I am. But I've spent you know six months working out their life story, so yeah it's fun, um okay. so that it's just, it's really beautiful to get the opportunity to create these um yeah, it's beautiful to be able to create the opportunity for these guys to be able to talk about their lives and their um you know what they hope will change. Um, yeah, that's really special
1: well that that was one of the things that Lamar had mentioned, how you know this kind of story helps show that you know, mm. hey, they're just people too you know yeah they they come from a really difficult place but they're just people like you and me and they have hopes and dreams and you know they just don't want to die and that kind of thing and that's extremely relatable like they're, they're
3: yeah exactly
1: and so it's valuable that these kinds of stories are out there and you know it makes it sound like it's a it's a you know preachy kind of story, but it's not. It's it's really, really entertaining and really, uh, you know, it tells a really invigorating story and, and yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So, you know, hats off to you. You've, you've made the right choice in uh, in backing that one for sure.
3: <laughs> well, and I mean, it goes to exactly what you're saying about, you know, the guys just being guys. I mean, that was one of the massive things that I thought was super important was just to make these guys just be like guys in the West mm. and, just show how similar they are but how different their context that they live in um, makes their lives
1: well definitely I mean there's a, it's an easy uh, thread as I was saying that the relationship between Miltics and, and Rockabool is you know they're both bands are, are very much uh, very similar in, at certain points and you know the only difference is, is that one's in you know one's from Australia and one's from Afghanistan and that's that's it. You know, and they're doing exactly the same kind of thing. They're still having similar arguments and things like that. So it's it's fascinating to see that connection. Um but your other film, Judas Collar, which I'm curious about, how did you end up with that particular story? And if you can tell us a little bit about that one as well.
3: Um yeah, so with Judas Collar, um Alison James, who is an amazing director, um from Perth, Western Australia. She um, has been working in doco for a really long time. So she, yeah, amazing director from Western Australia. She's mainly been doing documentary for a while and she wants to move into uh, uh, scripted. Mm-hmm. And um, she was really touched by this experience that happened to her when she was out in, um, she was shooting out back truckers in regional Western Australia And it's a story about the camel culling practice in Australia. Right. Um, And what happened um, when she found out about the Judas Collar and what it... Because the the Judas Collar is a tracking device that is put on camels and used as a a device for hunters to track a herd, go out and kill a herd. And then the device... And then so they'll kill all of the camels except for the camel with the collar on it. Wow. Because they know that that camel will walk to another herd and then um, they'll be able to slaughter that other herd and then that camel will walk to another herd and they'll be able to slaughter that other herd and so the camel literally becomes the Judas Um, but what there is stories of is that some of the camels that are the Judas camels have worked it out and worked out that every time that they meet a new community or a new group that they are the one thing that is causing the destruction and demise of all of their friends. Um, And so they walk alone. And they won't go near any other animals. And so Alison was so touched by this story um, that she immediately stopped working on the documentary that she was working on at that point in time and and sat down and wrote the script. Um, And originally it had um, sort of the, the camel section of it was more of an experimental side of it and it was more of a human story. Um, but then it's at um, one stage, um, she was encouraged to, and I, and I definitely was part of in, encouraging her just to take the human story out and keep it as um, as exquisitely just about the camels and be as audacious as we have been to make a film entirely uh, about the Judas camel from the point of view of the Judas camel. Mm. And so, um, yeah, we shot that out in regional Western Australia, um, Mount Magnet. Q sandstone with eight camels um over six days with a really amazing nimble phenomenal crew um yeah and then it's um it's in sydney so it's crazy
1: yeah that's exciting that's a really fascinating story and it it sounds like you know you're certainly pushing yourself as a producer in, in getting these unique interesting stories that just aren't being explored on screen so that's really exciting to see that occur. So yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, and I mean, like it, it's it, interesting. Cause I am, um, I do, you know, I am saying no a lot at the <laughs> moment, which doesn't make me feel great. But um, there is, yeah. I mean, I did definitely see how beautiful Alison's story was, and I was really excited about the experimental nature of working on that one, and of, of telling a really, really exquisite story. Yeah with it being such a challenge, like, um, no actors yeah, <laughs> and Yeah. <camels. laughs>
1: um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, it, it is a very unique, uh, interesting uh, story. So, yeah, certainly I, I look forward to seeing it down the line. It sounds really, really fascinating. And, you know, don't feel guilty about saying no to things. It's a good thing that people coming to you and saying, hey, can you help me out with this? Because it shows that you've got the skills as a producer to be able to say, all right, I know exactly what I need to do. And, and, you know, having the, the power to be able to say, look, I, I can't do that right now. And, and knowing what you want to do is important. So, uh, to get the, the best for the, the, the product that you, or the, the film that you're getting out there eventually. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And look, I, I really appreciate the work that you've done because, you know, as a, as a Australian film fan, getting to see all these different kinds of films has been just exciting and getting to see these kinds of stories has been, um, you know, I, I lean into politics quite a bit. So when I put on Rockable and I love music and I, I love stories from that part of the world and, you know, it all just kind of clicked and, and that was like, yeah, this is this is exactly the kind of thing that I enjoy watching. Um, so before I let you go, I'll ask one last question, which is a question that I ask everybody that, that comes on. Is, is there an Australian film that you think is possibly a little bit underrepresented or one that you recommend people seek out? It doesn't have to be your favourite film, but just one that you really enjoy and love.
3: Um, I mean, obviously, like, um, uh, really proud of Ben Young for Hands of Love recently. Um, I think Nick McDermott did an amazing job um, in, the, in the cinematography on that one in terms of using the cinematography to tell the story. I thought yeah. it was phenomenal. Um I mean, I loved somersault when I was a teenager. I thought that that was a really beautiful um beautiful film um, Animal Kingdom has always been one of my favorites um, because I think it was a story that was told by the innocent in a in a crime situation mm. um, and that sort of sense of you know how, you know how do you act when all of this stuff is happening around you and you're not you're not you know you're not the cause of any of it, but you've got to respond. I thought that that was really a really beautiful um, film. Um, any others? Oh God, there's just too many, Andrew. And <laughs> I just I, I, I watch I watch so many films at all of these festivals and stuff. I feel like I'm giving you really terrible answer. No,
1: um, no. How, how has the festival been for for different sorts of films? It's been you know, living vicariously through people posting on social media has been great but I can imagine being there and just being swamped by great films has been uh, probably intoxicating.
3: Yeah, no, it's been phenomenal. I mean, um, talking about great Australian films that are here, Dying to Live is Here which is a, a film that was edited by the West Australian Laurie Silvestrin and um, directed by Richard Todd and produced by Ben McNeil, it's um, a really, really um, beautiful, harrowing, heartbreaking look into organ donation in Australia and a really important film. Um, So that one was a really, really special one that I've seen while I've been here. Um, Another one that's um, great is I Used to Be Normal um, and it's a a girl, um, it's a it's a story about girl fans of boy bands. Oh
1: yeah,
3: um, yeah. and it was made by um Jessica Lesky and Rita Walsh and um it's so joyful. Um and so cute and so funny and these um and it it really does take you back to being a teenager when you've got the, the obsessions that you do as you're trying to grow your identity and and um and um, you know, work out what you what makes you tick and what you love and all of that sort of jazz. So um, yeah, no, highly enjoyed both of those, and I think um, I think yeah, I don't know whether they're coming to. I mean, obviously, they'll come to W at some point in time, but yeah, both of them have been real highlights for me at the festival. That's for sure.
1: Great. I think the second one's going to be at Revelation. I'm not sure about the first one, but yeah, I, I think it is. And either way, I know they're both on my radar at least because they they both sound really fascinating. Yeah.